You're listening to a podcast from Northeast Christian Church. For more information about Northeast, go to ncclex.org. Thanks for listening. Well, as you heard, we are starting a brand new series called Unwrap, The Real Gifts of the Season. And I was wondering if you could reflect back to the time that you got the best Christmas present ever at Christmas, the best gift you ever got. I remember it was sometime in the, in the 1970s, early 1970s, can't remember the exact year, but I remember that Christmas, I got electric football. You remember this game? It was going to revolutionize. It was, it was, this, was, uh, this was PlayStation before there was PlayStation, okay? And what you did was you lined your guys up on this metal field, and then you turned on the power, and it just vibrated them all around the field. I, think, I don't think my guy ever crossed the uh, goal line, but it didn't matter. Because you'd shut it off, and you'd reline them up again, and you'd start it all over. It was a great gift. You remember the best gift you ever got? You know, the thing about presents or gifts most of them have meaning to us. I mean, the, the really good ones, we remember them years and years later. Some of them are fun. Some of them are valuable. Some of them even actually give you a moment of escape from all the challenges and all the struggle of life. But very few gifts can actually change a person's life. What I'm talking about is you get this gift, you unwrap it, and though it may give you a moment or two of escape, you still have all the challenges and all the struggles in your life. The current culture often tries to convince us otherwise, that they say when you buy this car or you buy this perfume or you buy this exercise equipment, your life will improve. But does the style of car that you drive really eliminate the problems in your life? The world often thinks that new things are the answer to feeling better about yourself. It's that idea that when you're really sad, buying a pair of new shoes or a new golf club somehow is going to make you feel better. I learned a long time ago, somebody termed this, the, the, the technical term or the clinical term is retail therapy. Some of you have been in retail therapy for a while now. And you know, the only people who feel better are the credit card people, it seems. You get something new, and to be truthful, you do feel better for a moment or two. I mean, there is a period of time there. The problem is is that positive feeling only lasts for a short time, and then despair creeps back into your life and takes over. There's a significant problem in our world today, and there are a lot of people who would love to have it solved. Now, we're not going to solve all of life's problems today, but I wonder if we could leave a dent in it. The problem I'm talking about is the problem of despair. Despair is defined as a feeling of hopelessness. And we live in a time when there's so much animosity and so much uh, dissension and discord. And it oftentimes leaves us feeling less than the satisfaction of the abundant life that Jesus promised. We often find ourselves in a pool of despair. The external causes... There's lots of them. Disagreements, arguments. These things leave us feeling less than fulfilled. And there's this sense that there's almost no chance that I will have peace with that neighbor of mine who hates my dog. Right? (laughs) Something that trivial. Or we'd be great friends if they just voted the right way. 
we find there's very little peace in the midst of politics today. Well, there's not just external influences that bring despair, but there's internal influences as well. We have failure in our life. We go through a a significant failure, and all of a sudden, I feel despaired. Or there's sin in my life, and I can't seem to get rid of it. I can't seem to overcome it. Or maybe it's just fear. And those just begin the list. There's all kinds of things going on on the inside that can create this sense of despair. When you get caught in the middle of conflict or struggle or a failure, as an individual, you can often feel overwhelmed and confused about what you should do next. Dr. Gary Collins, he's a PhD in clinical psychology, he's a great writer. Sometimes, he says, sometimes there are frantic, often futile attempts to make amends. Sometimes there comes despair and a resigned attitude that says, things will never get better, so why try? You ever been there? Ever felt that way? Often when we struggle with this sinking feeling of despair, we look for other ways to make the misery go away. Some, some will medicate with alcohol or drugs or gambling or other uh, ob- obsessive behaviors. Others will withdraw living life locked in their house or their apartment, trying to avoid just contact with other people, as though that will somehow make the despair manageable. And then for some, the hopelessness is so severe that they will, make, they will take steps to take their own life. According to the CDC's National Center for Health Statistics, the annual U.S. suicide rate has increased 25, 24% between 1999 and 2014. In 2016, there were 44,965 recorded suicides. Suicide is now the 10th leading cause of death in America. And maybe more tragic than any of those stats is that for every suicide, there are 25 individuals who will attempt suicide but not be successful. Hopelessness and despair is a serious problem in the world that you and I live in. And it may be real for some in this room today. So what's the solution for the despair that we face in this life. Well, I don't want to be too simplistic, but I think if we have some hope, it can change the trajectory of a person's life. All right, so that's pretty, that's pretty heavy stuff. Let me shift gears just a minute. I want to give you a video of a guy who has a lot of hope, okay? Watch this. This is a classic. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together well Lloyd that's difficult to say and we really don't hit me with it just give it to me straight I came a long way just to see you Mary just least you can do is level with me what are my chances not good you mean not good like one out of a hundred I'd say more like one out of a million. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah! 
Oh, this guy is so confident, he doesn't even realize he's not only not in the game, he's not in the stadium here, okay? But there aren't many of us that are that confident, are there? We just, and and what makes that funny is it's so extreme, because we can't even imagine being that confident, having that much hope that things could go our way, that tomorrow will be a better day. Hope is the belief One holds during difficult circumstances that things will actually get better. Hope believes, it helps to envision that a challenge or a threat can improve. Hope is the belief that there will be a better tomorrow. Anybody need a little hope today? The presence of hope serves as a personal beacon. It's a lot like a lighthouse, signaling to us during periods of darkness and difficulty. Hope provides a haven from pessimism and fear. It galvanizes our courage and it mobilizes our energy and our vitality. Hope also contributes to the human propensity to help others who are in distress, both those who we love and those who are total strangers. Heroism is frequently spawned by the presence of hope during times of danger and destitution. It is one of the great human motivators giving us a sense of purpose during desperate times. I'm talking about hope. The reality, though, is regardless of your, where your life is going right now, how well it is or how, how tragic it might be, we always need hope. Always. Yet for so many, they've become overwhelmed by despair and they don't see a path forward But there is always a way because of hope. It's important to remember that God promised to send hope. In Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses two through six, we read this. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophet predicted a transition to a time when there would be no more gloom for those living in distress and despair. This will be the great light that he's talking about here of God's redemption. This deliverance is tied to a child. And this child is the answer to how God will bring light into the darkness. This son born to them will be a special gift from God. A wonderful counselor. A mighty God. Everlasting father. A prince of peace. When those qualities show up in one person, you know that God is bringing hope. This morning, what I want us to do is take a little bit of time and just examine the amazing aspects of God's gift of hope. The first of these is God gave us a hope that saves. He gave us a hope that saves. The most significant part of this gift of hope is that it's tied to salvation. Romans 8, 24, the Apostle Paul writes at the beginning of that verse, for in this hope we were saved. When Jesus came, born as a baby, he was living in a stable as a baby whose crib was a manger, surrounded by livestock. When he came in that humble moment, God set into motion his redemptive plan to save mankind. 
He came to offer us forgiveness. And it all started there in Bethlehem. Offering us a chance to have our sins washed away and have a relationship with God. This child that Isaiah prophesied about, he brought us hope that saves. Well, the second amazing aspect of God's gift of hope is that we can re-gift hope. We can actually re-gift it. Normally, re-gifting is perceived as tacky or not meaningful. But re-gifting hope has a powerful value to it. In 2016, Phil Hurley and I were privileged to travel to Nepal to represent Northeast and be a part of what was called the Issachar Initiative. We went there, that initiative, Issachar Initiative, was, uh, and still is, a plan to see that every unreached people group all across the world actually has church planners or missionaries working within them. And Lexington had, had agreed that we would take on the country of Nepal. And so as part of that initiative, Phil and I went there. And while we were there, one of the things that we did was we were part of a well dedication. There were two wells, freshwater wells, that had been dug and, and put into practice. And we went there to dedicate them in the name of Christ. You see, clean water in rural areas is essential. It eliminates all of these different health issues These wells blessed the villages where church plants were actually starting. And these wells opened the door for church planters and missionaries to actually re-gift the hope that they had and give it away to others who were living in darkness. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.15, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Be ready to give this hope away, to re-gift it. And then Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 3, 12, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not, we're not shrinking violence when it comes to re-gifting this precious commodity known as hope. If you have hope for a better day or a better eternity, then you'll likely want to share it with somebody who's got no hope. Hope prompts us to tell others how Jesus could give them the promise of a better tomorrow. And Paul says, be bold about it. Well, there's a third aspect, an amazing aspect of this gift of God's hope. And that is, hope motivates us to greater places. Listen to what he says in 1 John 3, starting with verse 1. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, he shall, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as he is pure. When you have a higher purpose, when you have hope that motivates you, it actually can direct you to change the way that you live your life. Hope motivates us. Hope motivates us, John says, to live holier lives. Now, I want to just push the pause button here for a little while. Okay, I want to stop this 
this list because I think there's a tendency that when we think, hey, I'm not suicidal, so this message is for people who are really desperate. But I wonder if you feel discouraged at all. I mean, if you're not, just drive around Hamburg here in the next few weeks. Any kind of Christianity you have gets sucked out by the traffic, okay? I had a lady yesterday, as I was driving, she rolled her window down, and I slowed down because I thought she needed directions. She was waving at me, and I slowed down, and she said, you ran through a stop sign! (laughs) And I said, no, I didn't. (laughs) I may have slowed down, (laughs) but I didn't run through. I'm just telling you, if you're not discouraged yet, the holidays have a way of kind of ripping all of that out of us. Listen, life does have a way of discouraging us. And you may not be on the threshold of suicide, but you can see how this isn't the abundant life that you thought Jesus promised. Despair can keep us from living that pure life that John was talking about. It can stop us from accomplishing God's purpose, his plan in our life. You may feel like you don't have what it takes to get the job done. The stress is, of life is so easily bringing you down. You're ready just to quit. But there are people, some of them in this room, who face some insurmountable odds. Amazing things. There was a young man in here this morning that was diagnosed with cancer a few years ago. And he's cancer-free. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people who we would look at and we would say, spiritually, those people are successful. They have done it right. But what you don't know is the backstory. It's not always been easy. In fact, in some cases, just like that young man's, it was hard. Everything is on the line. And despair had hit them. It hit him. It hit their family. It, ris- it rippled out from other people. They were common, ordinary people, though, who didn't give up when despair hit them because they had hope. Making right choices in that moment can bring you the most treasured commodity in this world, hope. So how do you practically apply that in your life? I want to give you three tips real quickly to help you and I to live a life with hope. Number one, don't stop short of the finish line. Don't stop too soon. So often in our lives, we stop too soon. When you have hope, You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. You can see there's something ahead, and it's worth it. Don't give up until you finish. Let me show you a video. This is what I'm talking about, okay? Watch this video. This This is a soccer player. It's a free kick. Watch what the goalie does here. It's pretty amazing. Boom, makes the stop. Yeah, and look it. He's, he's appealing to the umpire, which every good, or the referee, which every good athlete does. And then he says, yes, that's a goal. And the, uh, what, if you watch the replay here, one more time, slow motion, I love slow-mo, he makes a great play. Now watch what he does. He gets up and he starts celebrating. Check me out, man. I rock. I'm awesome. While the goal is being scored. 
Don't stop too soon. Don't quit because you think you've already finished or somehow that the war is already done. There's still fighting to be had. There's still things that need to get finished. Don't stop too soon. You talk about a letdown. You make an amazing play, and then you realize the the ball spun into the goal. No matter what challenges you're going through today, Don't quit before you get to the finish line. God has given you hope. If you only hear one thing that I I tell you this morning, hear this. In Matthew 19, 26, revolutionize your life. Jesus looked at them. He's talking to his disciples, and he said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now, that doesn't mean everything's going to always work out the way you want it to. But here's the reality. With God, there is hope. With God, there is hope. The second tip to help us to live with hope is ride out the storm. God doesn't pluck us out of the storms usually. We ride out the storm. There are many people who have not finished the race because they were so beaten down by the storms of life. A friend once asked Antonio Stradivarius, the man who created what most musicians refer to as the perfect violin. He was asked, how long does it take to make a violin? And Stradivarius answered, 1,000 years. He went on to say that the violin can be made only from a tree that is tempered by the wind, beaten by sleet, scorched by summer, and blasted by the ice of winter. In other words, it takes a very strong, weather-worn tree to make the perfect violin. Likewise, that principle is often true about people. People who've experienced failure and hardship and difficulty, they also can realize in the midst of that moment the value of that struggle. Or maybe it's after the fact. They realize that that struggle, that difficulty, though it may seem like an enemy to them in the moment, if we respond to it with hope, we can make our way through with renewed determination. We can persevere, and it can actually benefit us in the long run. A great example of this is John Bunyan. He wrote one of the great Christian classics from history called Pilgrim's Progress. Many of you have probably read it. You may not know, though, that he wrote this text while in a prison cell, a jail cell. The despair in our life can lead us to quit, but hope can keep us going. And through that storm, we'll grow in the process. Well, the third tip I want to give you to help us live with hope is stick with Jesus. Kind of sounds like a company line, doesn't it? Something you'd hear in church. Well, it's true, and that's why we're going to talk about it for a moment. The key to reaching your potential doesn't lie within you. Jesus expects you and I to be responsible with the truth that we have learned over the course of our walk with him, but your potential actually dwells within him. The key to reaching your potential is to let Jesus do in you and through you what he calls you to do. It has to be Jesus, though. 
There's no way that we can compare with his power. With man, it seems impossible. But with God, all things are possible. There's a great story in Matthew, the 14th chapter, where Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples are in this boat and they see him and they start freaking out. And then we read this kind of pivot in the story. It's kind of weird. They're all kind of losing their minds. They think it's a ghost. They don't know what's going on. It looks like Jesus. What is happening? And then we read this in verse 28 and following. It says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, of course it would be Peter, right? If it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Our hope is in Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. There's a lot to distract you and I. There's a lot that will cause us to be afraid. So keep your eyes on Jesus, and he will keep you from sinking. Stick close to Jesus. If God's hand is on a person, then that person will reach their full potential when they follow him, when they trust him. Because God wants you to do what he calls you to do. All right, the last awesome, amazing aspect of God's gift of hope is that hope is eternal. I don't know if you knew that or not, but you're never going to stop having hope. It's eternal. We're living in a time where a lot of things don't last. Relationships don't last. I'm always amazed at how quick a pair of running shoes will, will stop lasting our cars, they don't last. You talk to someone who is in the, uh, the builder generation, the greatest generation, ask them about cars. They'll tell you about cars that would last forever. Cars don't last forever anymore, especially when you hit people in parking lots. <laughs> I'm just telling personal testimony. Uh, <clears throat> and one of the things that surprisingly has, has deteriorated in its sustainability is Household appliances. They actually have research on this. Do you know that it appears household appliances have a lifespan of right at 10 years, according to statistics from the National Association of Home Builders? These guys are researching this. I read that recently, uh, I read recently that people today are still buying and selling refrigerators and freezers from, that were made in the 1950s because they're still working perfectly. Some of you had those refrigerators and freezers and you were wishing they would go away because you wanted a newer one, right? Regardless, refrigerators built in the 50s last a lifetime, it seems. Refrigerators built today don't seem to last as long seems that most things in this life don't seem to want to last as long as they used to. But one thing that you can always count on lasting, you can go to the bank with this, are the promises that Jesus has made to you. And I want to give you one of those. It's in John 14, verses 1 and 2. There's two promises here. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that, if that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? First promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. The second promise. Jesus promised that he was going to prepare a place for us, and he's coming back to take us to be with him. And that is something you can put your hope in. That is, a, that is a lighthouse that is in your future, and it is beckoning you, and you're going to run in that direction. And that hope, my friends, is eternal because it's going to last forever and ever and ever. Let me close with this. In 1949, it was just four years at, after the end of World War II, Toshiko Tanaka was an elementary Japanese school teacher who was deeply depressed and on the brink of suicide. Her husband, you see, had been killed during the war, and she was struggling to keep her household afloat and care for her young daughter. And suicide just seemed like a logical solution for her. She had totally lost all hope that any happiness would ever appear in her future And then life took a sudden turn that changed her future. She had heard about a missionary family living in a village over the mountains from where she lived. And that they had a message, she was told, that offered hope to even those who were the most hopeless. So after hiking over the mountains, Toshiko found the missionaries and the hope that they offered her through Jesus Christ. Her life was transformed She had a peace and a hope that she'd never experienced before. And she was ready to return home and to face the future with renewed optimism. You see, she was filled with hope of a better tomorrow. And that was the first time in a long, long time. So exuberant was this young teacher in her newfound faith that she wanted to share it with others in her village when she returned. But she was somewhat apprehensive because she was so new to this faith. What a huge surprise it was for the missionaries when the following week they saw Toshiko walking through their front gate again. See, it was a difficult mountain hike, and for someone to make it twice in just the shortness of one week was somewhat surprised. But there she was once again. And what was more astounding was the fact that she had brought some people with her. With her were her 26 primary school students who had also made the hike. Students came to hear about the hope that Toshiko had learned from the missionaries. And they sat and they listened attentively to the story of Jesus because they wanted to know what it was that their teacher had. When they got ready to leave, Toshiko pleaded with the missionaries, please come and share the good news with my entire village. Well, shortly after her visit, one of the missionaries, uh, accompanied by an interpreter and a couple other Christian helpers, made the trip to the village of Doshai, which is where Toshiko lived. And after making that difficult journey, they arrived at a schoolhouse where over 200 adults and children were waiting patiently to hear the gospel story. You see, these folks listened for hours and hours, and they begged to hear even more. 
And as the missionary team prepared to leave, they had planted seeds of the gospel. Again, they heard from those villagers, please come back and be our friend. This small band had traveled through the mountains and they were received warmly as they brought good news of hope, hope from Jesus. And this hope changed the lives of those who heard it. Christian author Marsha Laycock writes, there is always hope for a new day. Hope that the darkness won't always seem impenetrable. There is always hope because our Redeemer lives. Jesus is the hope of the world. You and I have it. We should live in it. And we should do everything we can to give it away. God has a purpose for you. You may not feel like you have a lot of hope. In fact, you may feel like you're consumed by despair. I want you to know that if you lack hope today, God can fill you. He can change that. Even if you're a follower of Christ, you may have been walking with him for a long time and you just feel like it's drained out of you. What's the point? Why try? The truth is God has hope. It hasn't gone away. Maybe you've just believed the, the lies that the enemy has sown in your mind. There is hope for you. Maybe you've never taken that step of faith and you're here just checking it out. Man, I admire that about you. But I want to challenge you. Get to know Jesus because he gives this hope that will change the trajectory of the rest of your life for all eternity. If you need hope, you've come to the right place. I'm going to be down here for as long as it takes. I'd love to talk to you. If you'd rather talk sometime during the week, you just let me know. You can contact me through Notes to Monty or you can call our office. And we'll set up a time. Let's pray together. Lord, I am so thankful for this hope that we've been talking about today and the way that you have so freely offered it to us. This life is tough. As statistics tell us, despair is on the rise. In fact, there are people in this room who've been struggling for a while through health reasons, can't find answers to why they're ill, they're, or possibly they've dealt with an unfaithful spouse, or maybe it's just loneliness. God, thank you for giving us hope. Jesus came so that we might have a way to spend eternity with you. And no matter how hard it is today, that hope can see us through that because because of what Jesus did, we have this hope that can turn our tomorrow into a better day, our eternity into a better day. So God, for those who have been uh, part of your family and they've been walking Uh, with you. They've been running this race of life with you and they've just lost hope. I pray that you would fill them again. Remind them that with man, these things are impossible oftentimes, but with God, all things are possible. There's nothing that you can't help them to make it through because you have control. And Lord, for those that may never have taken that step of faith with you, I pray today would be the day that they do that. And start the journey with hope. A lighthouse at the end of the finish line that says, 
Well done, good and faithful servant. This is worth it all. Keep running. God help us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.